Hi, I'm Brady Breeze, safety for the Detroit Lions, and you're listening to The Only Playbook. Forty-five episodes later, the Super Bowl has absolutely and 100% finally come to an end, wrapping a bow onto the 2021 season. Um, we're going to unpack all of the Super Bowl. I'm in the only playbook here. I'm Sweet Car. I got Shashot Shovit. Guys, it's sad. Yeah. Morbid Tuesday for me. Man, it's, I can't believe it. we've been talking about how it's going to suck that the <laughs> season's going to end and we're finally here unfortunately but what a season i was having like withdrawals on like the fantasy app i was like who's on waivers who's on waivers (laughs) it's like oh shit there are no waivers it's fucking sad man but what what a way to end the season one of the craziest seasons we've ever witnessed as just football fans and consumers um again it's been exciting as hell to be able to cover this sport and and football as a whole this year being as crazy as it's been and and again we're going to unpack the entirety of this Super Bowl, so many storylines, uh, you know, emotions, all that good stuff. Again, we're the only playbook. If you've enjoyed any of our content uh, on social media, we're everywhere TikTok, Instagram, Twitter at the only playbook. Twitter is only playbook. And then any platform you can listen to podcasts on, we're there. Uh, Anchor, Google, Apple, Spotify. And if you're watching, you're watching on the YouTube channel. So uh, click on the subscribe, the like, commenting, anything, even a bunch of different random letters will help expose the podcast. So uh, if you enjoy our content, I'm sure other people will as well. Guys, let's do this one last time for this year. Let's recap the Super Bowl. Pass. Got it. Touchdown. Al, I've got to tell you, in a pressure situation, I don't know if I have ever seen anybody be better than Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup. They had no choice. The Cincinnati Bengals in the Super Bowl for the first time since 1988 traveled to SoFi to take on the L.A. Rams, who are here for the first time in what, 2000, since 2001, I believe, Mm -hmm. Uh, getting to host the final dance at home. I don't think it gets any better than that. Rams came into this game as four and a half point favorites at home, over under 48 and a half. Uh, were they going to cover? Was that over going to hit? We were expecting a ton of points with these offenses. Uh, ironically enough, the game started out pretty hot from a scoring standpoint, but the under 48 and a half hits. And Cincinnati, on the other hand, covers the four and a half points spread, even though the final score is 23-20. The Rams take home the Super Bowl at home. We're two for two now. She showed on that home team hosting the Super Bowl's win. So next year, is that a big enough sample size to put all of your money on it if the Super Bowl is hosted by the team? Not according to biostatistics, but damn it! According to <laughs> love and passion, maybe <laughs> uh, two for two now. Back to back years, we've seen a home team host the Super Bowl and win. Congratulations, L.A., the city of L.A., Matthew Stafford, all these guys, Snoop Dogg. Uh, Snoop Dogg, so many people. Where do you guys want to start this thing off? Yeah, no, this was if you were wanting a blowout by either one of those teams, you didn't get that, which I was really glad. Uh, I wanted a good game, and that's what we got. Both teams came out gave their best what they are known to do um Bengals with their high-flying offense of jamar chase and higgins and throwing that deep bomb um and then uh the rams with that often awesome defensive line i mean von miller aaron donald definitely stepped up um the things that i i I definitely like from the rams was uh, aaron donald was double teamed and sometimes triple teamed Mm -hmm. in instances but they still found a way 
to sack Burrow seven times in the game, and that was sort of the deciding factor. Um, whenever uh, Odell Beckham Jr. got injured um, in, I think, the second quarter, it looked like the Rams' offense wasn't really functioning like yeah. they were in the first quarter. And we're like, okay, well, we see the signs and we see the reasons why You know, OBJ definitely makes an Im- impact. Guys like Skornick is not catching the ball. But like he should brick hands. He was bro. trying to make them lose. Yeah, at that point, like he's. What do you do with this guy? Yeah. Every pass to Skoranek or whatever Skoranek. was either dropped, or just like, like he wasn't getting open. Like right. he couldn't beat his route or anything. It was like a waste of space on the field. So, right. um, you know, you're right. I think the biggest thing that we saw, like you mentioned, was how this offense took a giant step back the minute OBJ left because you're already without Higby, who's such a focal point in that offense. So without your number two, obviously without Robert Woods, like you're you're turning to Skoranek's and even mm-hmm. Van Jefferson's to now play that role of here's Cooper Cup on one side. He's going to get rovered. He's probably going to have two guys shadowing him. Who's the mismatch? And mm-hmm. it was hard to find a mismatch after OBJ got hurt. And I think that was the reason it was so hard for that offense to get going. And then the one thing that the Rams, we expected them to do is run the football well. Because OBJ got hurt, it seemed like the defense was either Cooper Cup or stopping the run. So there was no run game. Mm-hmm. So it put that much pressure back on Stafford, that much pressure back on Cooper Cup, that much pressure back on the Rams' defense. But collectively as a unit, they came through, I mean, against all odds. Yeah, the thing is, even when OBJ went out, they still tried to fill in that OBJ role with other people. And it didn't work, right? And then once it started to not work or they started realizing that they're kind of slip, letting this game kind of slip away, they started throwing wheel routes to their running backs. You know, it hit sometimes. Henderson or, sighting? Yeah, 20, 25-yard catch by Henderson. That was a sick throw. Yeah. Um, those things had to happen for them to score a touchdown. They ended up scoring on that drive. So they found ways to make it work, right? Um, although, like, from my perspective, um, the, the Rams could have very well just ended this game in early a, in a high flying fashion mm-hmm. right they did not look like they were going to be stopped until obj got hurt and matthew stafford rolled his ankle and then you could see that the dynamics of the game shift they had a lot of three and outs and things are kind of slipping away but on the other hand when um you know the Bengals with this high powered offense you know like 500 yards games by uh, burrow and four touchdown five touchdown games all throughout the year and all of a sudden the rams kind of were like a bend don't break a defense they were like yeah we'll allow you to throw those screen passes to chase that go for you know 80 yards but it's not gonna happen like you can ha- you can try it so they they were really good at the stopping the deep game there was very minimal deep stuff besides that one fluky one with the face uh, the pass uh the face mask mm-hmm. on the offense that didn't get called but it's the game you know what do you do things like that happen um so yeah the, kudos to the rams they really played their game regardless of who was throwing mm-hmm. Um, you know, even though Matt Stafford was hurt, they still kind of sat in the pocket and still did what he had to do. And, you know, everything just kind of worked out in this perfect season for the Rams. They paid enormous amounts of money uh, to make this happen, and all of it came to fruition. So uh, lucky for them, bad for the Bengals. But guess what? For the reason I wasn't going for the Bengals, uh, mainly uh, for the main of the, uh, a lot of the games this offseason was because they're so young, right? Like, the world is their oyster. They're going to have decades of this type of stuff. They're just going to build on this. They're going to get better. Um and the Rams didn't have that opportunity. It was either win or go home for many, many years. They weren't going to come back here. Um, so they ended up winning. So, yeah, good kudos to the Rams. Yeah. And Bengals, keep your head up. There was two important red zone, red zone drives, one where they throw a deep on with Jamar Chase, that sick throw from Joe Burrow, and that ended up in, ended up in a field goal. Right. Another one was when Matthew Stafford threw the pick, um, and that also ended up in a field goal for the Bengals. So those crucial red zone stops is – 
it came, it paid dividends and allowed them to win the game as well. Yeah, three for three for the Rams in the red zone, one for three for the Bengals, right? And in, in a Super Bowl, in a game of very little margin for error, I think that's interesting because oftentimes or not, what's what's like the adage is like, if you win the turnover battle, chances are you're going to win the game. Right. Well, Matthew Stafford threw two interceptions. The Bengals protected the football the whole game, yet you're seeing the final score be 23-20. to 20, And I think the biggest storyline coming into this was it was like a broken record. No matter what channel, who you were listening to, it was always like, oh, this Rams defensive line against that Bengals offensive line is going to be you know the story and it was yeah. it, it was exactly that but the Bengals have had this ability to despite like think about situationally when you're getting sacked right we talk about it all the time again we're going to use the vikings because they're just kind of like our fucking whatever you call it like the the guinea pig if you will but like when you get sacked on first down it's like second and 17 like as vikings fans i feel like we have zero hope that 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 drive is now going to convert to a first down right, right. Especially because there's a run play coming in soon. Exactly. Exactly. But you have the Bengals here who come into the Super Bowl being sacked the most times. In the divisional game, got sacked nine times. This game, seven times, and yet they were still in a position to win. So what that tells me is like a lot of that is play calling as well, right? You put yourself in a hole at second and 19 or third and 17. Conservative play call. Let's just run the draw and let's fucking throw, let's punt the football. But Every opportunity that the Bengals have had all year, not just this game, because they the sacks, they're a broken record. It's happened every single game. They still, despite all of these sacks and being put behind the eight ball, found ways to succeed. And I think that's a huge blueprint because like, you know, I, I've gone I've gone on record saying like you never want to be the anomaly or try to be the anomaly because yes, that can happen, but when you try to build a team and build a winning franchise, you look at other winning franchises and how they've done that. And historically, what's more successful? Let's try to build that way, right? And so we know that you need an offensive line to be successful. Like this is an anomaly, but this is an incredible anomaly that I think we shouldn't take for granted because again, just contextually think about the fact that this team got sacked more than any other team. This team faced second and third and longs probably more than any other team because of that and they're in the super bowl they have the ball at the end still with a chance to win it all so like you said man they're a young team this should hopefully this team is here to stay for a decade and beyond Mm -hmm. for as long as joe burrow can be as good as he is and stay healthy so cincinnati like the future is really really bright i know it's really fucking tough because you wait like 30 years to make it to the final game and you make it there and like all this anticipation for two weeks like your juices are flowing and especially in a game where you're one or two plays away from literally winning it all it's tough to like look at the silver lining but again the future is bright, and the same can't be said for the Rams because here in the now, the Rams accomplished their ultimate goal to win the Super Bowl. But the future for the LA is super fucking bleak mm-hmm. because they traded away first-round picks through like the next four or five years, right? You have guys like Aaron Donald, even at the peak of their careers, contemplating retirement. Do I go out on top? Even Sean McVay. Mm-hmm. So who knows what this team or situation is going to look like a year from now or two years from now. So I think, yes, the Rams ultimately accomplished their end goal because anything short of a Super Bowl when you're like buying a team like that is going to be not, you know, it's not going to be successful season, right? So they accomplished that. But four or five, three, four or five years from now, you're looking at the future being much more brighter for Cincinnati than yeah. LA. So it's just one way to look at it outside of this game. Yeah, no, they're, they're, they have all the right pieces there. They're coached really well through and like during the games, 
If they're down, some something clicks in the halftime where they come back, they score the touchdown on that first drive on, in the third quarter. They did it against the Chiefs as well. Yep. So coming back and like making sure that the coaches are calling the right place for their team to be successful, they have all the right p- pieces there on offense and defense. I just think that offensive line, they definitely lack. We see yeah, yeah. Fi- you know, 54 sacks at, um, right. leading the NFL in that. You don't want to do that. You're so right. Absolutely. So the what the Bengals did the best out of any other team was have every – aspect of football maximized like their special teams probably the best kicker in the league their offense high power don't give a f i'm gonna throw it all day long mm-hmm. defense that we you know looked down upon early in the season because they were allowing so many points came into the playoffs played like lights out right like they're shutting down a chief's offense in right. the second half like shit like that yeah. does not happen no so, so a lot of things had to play perfectly with a bad offensive line to make this work because mm-hmm. you know like like we talk about uh, without a bad offensive line, you're screwed, right? So everything worked out for them. But however, what's really crazy is the beginning of the season when, when they drafted Chase, everybody was like, whoa, 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 hold up. Burrow just died last year because there's no protection. You're going to add Chase and you're not going to protect him with like Sewell or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, you know, that was all of, all of us were agreeing that that was a bad pick initially, right? And then Chase comes in and just takes over the game. And you're like, okay, n- never mind. However... Why did they end up losing this game? It ended up being the offensive line issue because if you look at that last play, mm-hmm. Chase had beaten Ramsey. Ramsey was on the ground. If one more second for Burrow to look, that's a touchdown. That's game over. That's a Super Bowl win. Mm-hmm. So it's easy to look back at things like this and everything, but um, it sucks. But I see what they did there. Get Chase, secure him for many years. And they didn't even think they were probably going to make it this far. You know, week one, you know, mm-hmm. nobody thought they were going to make it this far. So the fact that they made it this far, they have secured Chase and all these other weapons all around. Special teams perfect. Defense going to improve. And now all you need is to draft maybe two offensive linemen, trade one, team to beat. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, all you, that's literally it. All you have to do now is draft linemen and and try to build around that defense because weapons wise, from an offensive standpoint, you're pretty fucking set. So, right. um, yeah, they have the the foundation is there. Again, the future is bright for them. Um, we know how hard it is to make it to the Super Bowl or win even win a Super Bowl. So it, it's easy to just be like, oh, Burrow's got a great future. They'll be there again. They very well could not. But again, comparatively for the two teams, the hope and the future is much brighter for this yeah. team. Because again, you you look at LA. Um, you know, they're going to lose guys like they're going to lose coaching staff, right? Kevin O'Connell's leaving. So, uh, again, with the Sean McVay retiring, like OBJ, what's his situation? He just got hurt and now he's going into a year where he's a free agent, right? So there's so many questions. What's Robert Woods going to look like? So, uh, it's, it's incredibly, um, I don't know. I don't know what the right word is, but again, I don't think the Rams should be a blueprint for success for teams looking at how to get to the final dance because I feel like eight times out of ten when you try to buy a team or like do something like this, mm-hmm. like again, if you don't win the Super Bowl, I don't even if they made the Super Bowl and lost, that's still a failure, right? right? Because right. you're screwed. And, and there's another reason why other teams shouldn't be looking at this blueprint is because the Rams weren't bad no. when they did this. Yeah. They were already a playoff content Super already Bowl Super Bowl team. team. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they knew they knew the ramifications. Like other teams that have never made it this far, there's a lot of them, and they try to go with this and it doesn't work, then you know, then you start firing people. Yep. So there is always a pro and con, and this was just a special um case. You know, they needed a cornerback, got Ramsey. They needed a better defensive lineman to help out Donald. They got the best guy available. Mm-hmm. So like Von Miller. they made all the right choices with a team that was already elite. 
So, and then they got Matthew Stafford, yeah. obviously a huge yeah. change. So that works perfectly. It was supposed to work perfectly, and they were meant to win the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. However, if other teams try to do this, like, you know, let's use the Steelers for mm-hmm. an example, right? Um, defense is fine. Defense is always fine. Quarterback is a struggle. So you're looking at this like, hmm, is the court, maybe we should just get a better quarterback and just, you know, get the best quarterback available right now and just trade away all our picks. You could do that, but the Steelers haven't shown anything to make it to the Super Bowl in mm-hmm. the last couple of years for to make that big of a sacrifice. You know, yeah. there's a lot more to lose yeah. with this decision than what the Rams did. Rams really had nothing to lose. They were just like, we're already good. Let's just get a little better. Yeah, yeah. their window was now, and they took advantage of it. And again, this is just an example of it actually paying off. Yeah, no, it, it, there's a lot of luck that goes involved in, course. into this. I mean, you, you make the right decisions that you think are going to you know get you there. Robert Woods gets injured. That that could have been a you know uh, season ending or basically like that could have changed the fate. Uh, but they got OBJ. They basically they they were all in from the beginning though. Yep. That was that's the thing, right? They're like our goal is to win the Super Bowl. Yep. And we will do whatever it takes. They yeah. lose Deshaun Jackson. How, how how do you think he feels right yeah. now? He, he asked for. They yeah. didn't lose him. He, he asked yeah. for he a trade. Leave. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That's right. That's and on I mean, him. And and again, think about how ballsy it is to have just drafted a number one quarterback and first overall that you think is the future takes you to the Super Bowl and loses for you to be like, you know what? Let's move on from yeah. that guy. Twenty like ten times out of ten, teams are like, no, we literally just made it to yeah, the Super Bowl. Right. This guy's got some ceiling to him. So whatever the Rams found out about Jared Goff internally that we didn't know about him or right. on the surface we're like okay number one overall pick took a team to a Super Bowl was just short of winning it there's definitely a chance whatever they saw and whatever they felt like Matthew Stafford was an upgrade to Jared Goff at the time I mean that's credit to them too again because that takes a lot of balls and that's something that if it does not go well looks so poorly on the franchise I just you know I use the Steelers as an example but let's use the Panthers as an example they literally did that a little too early in the season mm-hmm. they were already satisfied with winning four games they were like, okay, guys, it's Super Bowl or bust. But you still have Darnold. Yeah. You know, like, that's the thing. That's the difference between the Rams and that's the difference between the teams like the Panthers. Beginning of the season, after one month, the Panthers looked phenomenal, yep. right? You're like, they're destroying people. They're like, Super Bowl, let's just trade for everything. Let's get the best cornerback available because we just lost ours. So they did that exactly thing that the Rams are doing. However, the Rams had a much better blueprint behind all of that to uh, come to fruition rather than the Panthers' approach, which is, we have a little bit of success, but now let's just go all in. And now they're screwed. You know, mm-hmm. now they're kind of screwed. So, yeah, I mean, I, that the Panthers team. I mean, I don't know if their offensive coordinator was the right one f- for them. CMC gets hurt as well, and it's unfortunate events right. like that that exactly that Rams th- overcame. Those are the ramifications of making these drastic moves. Yeah, so that things can get go wrong, and you're screwed. Yeah, yeah. Um, Good. No, I was going to talk about Joe Burrow, but yeah, go for you, it. No, yeah. okay. So I was going to add. We talked about all the sacks that were happening, right? Here's a pretty crazy stat on Joe Burrow's um, getting sacked. Um, so Joe Burrow is the fourth quarterback to be sacked six or more times in the Super Bowl, um, all time. And the four quarterbacks, well, the three quarterbacks before Joe Burrow, all four total, have lost that Super Bowl. Hmm. So, yes, you, you can come this far, str- climbing your way, struggling through all this, beating the Titans, getting sacked nine times and everything. But when it comes to the final dance, you got to know you're facing Aaron Donald and you got to know you're facing Von Miller. Mm-hmm. And that was their Achilles heel. They couldn't hold him. They tried triple teaming him, but that just means one more man gets open, you know. So that's what the Bengals need to do is just protect Joe Burrow. And now he just suffered another injury, another leg injury. Makes me wonder, you know, their future looks good, but one more hit, what happens to Joe Burrow? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's definitely concerning back to back years or whatever that you're having an injury similar, you know, in similar stature yeah, to the yeah, for a exact, quarterback, that's important. That, that's really really tough and I think one thing that 
um, you know, watching this game back or even just watching this game as it was happening, I was coming to realization is Joe Burrow is the perfect example of a guy that is not like he's not fast. Like he could not outrun right. like even defensive. Granted, it's Von Miller and fucking Aaron Donald. You got some freaks <laughs> and natures over there, but he was not outrunning defensive linemen, right? So Joe Burrow is not the definition of somebody that's even fast or quick or anything. But Joe Burrow is the definition of somebody that literally knows how to move and maneuver in the pocket better than anybody who lacks the like physical talents that people like quarterbacks would yeah. lack, right? Like it's like Tom Brady, why he's been so successful is like he's had great offensive lines and he's fucking slow as shit. So is Peyton Manning, right? But Peyton Manning, you would see was like the best at just slightly maneuvering yeah. in the pocket. The dude was like yeah. passing out it's, every He play. was constantly <laughs> moving. He knew he was slow as shit. So his yeah. only opportunity was to be better at maneuvering the pocket than what the defense was throwing at him. And that's one thing that I think just maximized what I learned about Joe Burrow in this final game is again, he's facing a threat that's probably as, as, as forced to be reckoned with as he's faced all year. And he still had the ability to maneuver despite seven sacks, still put up bombs, like, mm -hmm. you know, still did enough yeah, ran for to, first downs. still did enough to put his team in a position to win despite that shit ass offensive line. So, um, again, it, it's, it's just such a testament to everything, right? This team as a whole, where, how far they've come. Um, and again, I think it's so easy to fall into storylines for both teams. So, cause both teams to me were, you could find reasons to root for both teams. So yeah. like, I'm really, really upset about Joe Burrow, you know, not, not kind of putting the cherry on top to a story that could have been a movie in 10 years, mm -hmm. but at the same time, like, how can you not be happy for a guy like Matthew Stafford, Cooper cup, man? I mean, that guy, that guy, dude, that is, he's the ultimate player. Yeah. I, yeah. The like, ultimate player. If you were to survey, like Family Feud this and survey 100 people in, the, in in random, 100 people that know who Cooper Cup is, I would be so remiss if there was one person that told me they did not like Cooper Cup or there was something they saw wrong with Cooper Cup. Like, he is such a easy person to root for, despite, like, who the fuck you're playing. The thing right. is, like, a lot of people find ways to hate people. Yeah. Not, not because of their game, but how they are Personally, as a person. Personally, yeah. And this dude never talks shit. Yeah. You know, he's always giving credit to everybody else yeah. but him. Like, what more do you want? And he's literally putting up the best numbers of any receiver ever. ever. And he's like, yeah, my quarterback's great. Yeah, if the second receiver isn't cutting through this way, I'm not getting open here. You know, like, all this shit. Yeah. Like, just says all the right things. Um, dude, I'm just so happy for him because, again, a historic season, you know, coming – you know, coming to a close with the best way possible for a lot of these guys. Like, uh, again, a guy like Andrew Whitworth, who I'll touch on a little bit later, but like a storyline there that just wrote to perfection, right? Drafted by the Cincinnati Bengals, been in the league for almost 20 years now, right? 40 years old, wants to retire, like on the tail end of his career and still puts up a historic season for this team that ends up winning, that ends up beating the team that drafted him, right? So it's just these storylines and things like that that you can get behind. The OBJ shit, bro. Dude's bawling his eyes out, right? Yeah. When you cry... Right. Speaking from somebody who's cried a lot in their life, when you cry, a lot of times that shit's uncontrollable, right? Mm -hmm. You probably in that situation are like, man, I really don't want to cry here, but I can't control it. Just and overwhelmed with and that that's exact. That's when you looked at OBJ when he was bawling, yeah. like it wasn't for that dude could not control those tears that were coming out of his eyes. So like, that's how sincere, like, and that's how much it meant to him to fucking win that Super Bowl. And like, I don't know how you can't root for that. So like all of those things kind of coming to a, coming to close with to perfection from the Rams side, super, super excited and happy for all those guys. And again, for a team that's as young as the Bengals are for them to be there to the final fucking snap, barely come short and know that the future's bright again it, it was just the, the the season came to a close in such perfection yeah, yeah. It, I, I, it's i hate to say should have could have would have but if that throw to burrow hits pirine 
we're having a different conversation here. Dude, Burrow made so many bad throws that game. Like from a just from somebody that I trust with my life yeah. on the football field, you know, he's the next he's the next version of Aaron Rodgers, right? Mm-hmm. Like he's he's not fast. He makes plays happen. He moves a lot. Like he makes good throws. He throws down deep. He throws five touchdown passes. He throws for five hundred yards. Yeah. Like these are the stats of Aaron Rodgers. These these, these abilities of Aaron Rodgers. Um, but there were some moves. There were some plays. Like uh, some throws are a little behind. Some throws are kind of uncatchable. Um, but that's what, that's what comes with being young and being right. in the Super Bowl for the first time. Um, so there's nothing to take away from that per se. It was kind of expected. Let's be honest. Like there's nobody like he's done things nobody's ever done before. But he's still a kid. He's still learning. He's only going to get better. So and good for him. Good thing that like none of these plays that we kind of saw he made like a bad decision here and there none of that was like drastic enough to like change the dynamic of the game so he still knows not to make the really really bad throws mm-hmm. but sometimes some throws go off your hand what are you gonna do no yeah, i agree and they talk about like how you know we talked about joe burrow having this uh resume up until the super bowl in the nfl where he just never lost in like yeah. big games right and they tell you that losing teaches you more than winning right and so at some point joe burrow was gonna face this adversity and it's awesome that he gets to face it and face it in his second year yeah. essentially his first full year in the yeah, nfl for sure right what a great like how early on can you face your first loss to know how to like come back from that so the nfl should watch the fuck out because a guy who's won as much as he has in every level of the sport now finally faced a real loss in the grandest stage of them all like i I fear for the rest (laughs) of the division what this guy comes back next season for sure for sure he's only going to get better so again huge credit to the rams i mean congratulations to everybody in that franchise that organization sean mcveigh has like um, you know, brought about in the NFL, maybe Kyle Shanahan did, but you know, the Sean McVay, that whole coaching tree is like brought, brought about this new era of NFL offenses, which are incredibly dynamic, exciting for Vikings fans with Kevin O'Connell and all that shit. So it's like the, the way this league is headed and, and the Super Bowl winners that we're seeing the offensive numbers that we talked about when you have to be in the Super Bowl, you have to be top 10 offense. Like the way the league is headed is just incredibly exciting. It makes next season that much more exciting to look forward to the off season, that much more exciting to look forward to. Um, but I think again, you couldn't have written a better script from the way these two teams came out to play the way their season started and ended and all of that like just what a fucking amazing football season and uh, one little weird tom brady stat yeah that plays along with this um so when tom brady won his first super bowl mm-hmm. or when tom brady came into the league um got his first start or whatever the rams won the super bowl damn that was a great show tom brady retired rams won the super bowl. wow that's interesting so the beginning and the closing of tom brady's career Ended with Rams. I bet Giselle saw this coming. Yeah. Oh, I bet she did. <laughs> I bet she did. Which also, like, another really side tangent that we could probably talk to our, talk about hours about, but there's a lot of people within the NFL organizations and league that don't believe Tom Brady is actually retiring. Hmm. That this is also this is an, a second stint at him being like, I'm looking at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers now, and yeah. they look like shit, yeah. right. so I need to pluck yeah. my way out of there. Yeah. I'm still good enough to play. So I need to find exactly the right position to be like, yo, dogs, you guys don't have a ring. You want to win the Super Bowl next year? I'm on. Yeah. I, that's also what Aaron Donald and Sean McVay are doing. Yeah. Uh, Sean McVay, he doesn't want to inherit this shitty ass, no pick having, mm-hmm. you know, people are leaving. He's has, he's going to have to rebuild a Super Bowl team. He doesn't want to do that. You know, so he's, he's going to want to get paid. And Aaron Donald, uh, I hear he only said that because he wants a better contract. He knows he's the best player in football. Yep. He's like, I'm not. I don't want the contract. So you know what? I'm. I might leave if you don't want me. So he's yeah. just saying just these things, the yeah. playing the game to get paid more. 
Sean McVay's strategy is fucking brilliant, though. And it's brilliant specifically because he gets to go out on top. And he's so fucking young that he could literally be like, I'm going to step away from football for five years. Yeah. You know? yeah. Just fucking go off on islands with my hot-ass wife and shit and just do whatever the fuck 36-year-old multimillionaires do. And then five years from now, he's still only 41. He's still got this <laughs> resume of like, yeah. hey, dude, I just want a Super Bowl. Like, I'm just chilling. And he can come back and get a job anywhere he chooses, yeah. right? So um, Sean McVay's life is basically made. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, it's, I don't know. It's, it's, it, again, it's going to be really exciting to see these two teams, uh, seemingly, which looks like going to head in different directions after this, now that the Super Bowl and this season is wrapped up, um, for the final time, should we kick it into studs and duds for the Super Bowl? Let's do it. I'll kick us off for our final segment of studs and duds. My stud this year, this week and year, whatever, uh, we just talked about him, Andrew Whitworth. Um, again, storyline and all. The guy had the second highest PFF grade on offense behind Cooper Cup this game, right? 83.3 grade to Cup's 85. He's a two-time All-Pro player, four-time Pro Bowler. He won the Walter Payton Man of the Year this year, and he gets to cap it all off and top it all off with the Super Bowl ring and trophy against the team that drafted him 16 years ago. So, I mean, I don't think even Andrew Whitworth could have expected a story and a, and a storyline and script to be written this perfectly for him. So again, at the age of 40, you know, you know, you look at him on the screen and you can, you know, that yeah. guy's 40. You're like, dude, that guy's old. Why That's is he a coach? Football? Right? Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Exactly. And for him to still be playing at the level he is, you don't often get to say that about 40 year old linemen who get to win a Super Bowl and go out on top, right? This isn't a Tom Brady story. This is Andrew Whitworth, who's a giant dude at 40 years old, still playing, you know, at the top of his game. Now, if he wants to retire, which it looks like he might, mm-hmm. um, you know, gets to go out in his own way. So he is my stud of of the Super Bowl. Um, super happy for him. And again, you know, what better way to ride off into the sunset? But my dud, my dud, I think this is a pretty universal dud. A lot of people will agree with me. The guy that talked the most shit before the fucking game, the guy who <laughs> wanted obj the guy who said you know he's a shutdown corner all this crap eli fucking apple man when you talk the talk and you don't walk the walk like you you just open the floodgates to getting shit on and in a world of social media of endless abilities to get shit on there's so many ways nowadays that you can get shit on back in the day someone had to mail you someone had to write to you or email you do some old school shit that wouldn't get to you for like weeks right now Eli Apple sucks dick in the Super Bowl 30 seconds afterwards, maybe during, he's getting tweets, he's getting DMs, you know, like that shit is endless. So you need to know in this era, again, if you're going to talk the talk, you have to walk the walk. And the dude was awful. Yeah, he he deserved all the hate he did. I heard he was on Suicide Watch from like (laughs) some, you know. I mean, yeah, you definitely don't ever want that. Like that's not what I'm getting at. But yeah, you can't can't talk all that shit and then come and actually play like shit. So um, Eli Apple, you are my... You know, dud, duddest of duds. Did you hear about the Andy uh, Andrew Whitworth, the Lions player story? No. Have you heard about that one? So this year, um, some Lions player, right when the game ended. Brady Breeze? No. Oh, okay. uh, came up to An- Andrew Whitworth, uh-huh. and he was like, hey, you remember me? And Andrew Whitworth was like, oh, man, no, sorry, I don't. He's like, well, you came to my, uh, like, this was like a really poor guy from like, a, that was like in the, in some hood mm-hmm. and Andrew Whitworth, he's been like a humanitarian his whole life. Yep. So he went to go talk to these kids a long time ago, 20 plus years ago. And this, he instilled this, you know, uh, love of the game to this kid. Mm-hmm. And this kid comes up to him after the game, Lions player. He's like, Hey man, like 
you are everything to me. Like, wow. I, I am so thankful for that's this inspiring. moment right here. And I just had chills yeah, come that's all over insane. my body. Because, like, that's somebody that he talked to that wasn't in the NFL while he was still in the NFL. Yeah. And now they're, like, sharing a moment after a game. Imagine not even trying to inspire people, but inspiring inspire somebody them. to that extent, bro. Like, I mean, what more is life about than somebody else that comes up to you and be like, dude, you changed my life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my entire speaks, world changed. Yeah, speaks volume to who he is as a yeah. person, actually. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and we know about the Burrow story, right? Mm-hmm. Burrow tore his ACL, rehabbing, mm-hmm. rehabbing with Whitworth. They both actually they went were, to LSU. They were neighbors. They were neighbors. And Whitworth went to LSU, but obviously fucking 20 years ago, right? So they have the alma mater connection. But I don't know the extent of the story, but it was just like how they bonded, you know? And, and, and Yeah, so apparently it was like Whitworth's birthday, and they shared like Thanksgiving together. And like, I don't know if it's Thanksgiving, but some holiday. Uh, and then he went to join Whitworth for his birthday. So, like, they're not, like, neighbors, like, right down the road, but they live very sim- close to each other. And mm-hmm. then Whitworth was very open about bringing him, Burrow in and, like, you know, consoling him about the injury and yeah. all kinds of stuff. So, like, this man's just, like, a Man. God-given. Yeah. Sounds I'm, like a stud. And, again, yeah. yeah, exactly. And, again, what better way for a guy like that to ride off into the sunset than with the fucking Super Bowl ring, man? I mean, again, you can't write a better storyline no. than that. You just can't. No. But you can write a better storyline than Eli Apple. That's why he's my dud. Um, uh, show it. What do you got? Yeah. So uh, my stud is going to actually. Let's start with dud. Yeah. Uh, my dud's going to be Ben Skaronic. Uh, <laughs> We've already shit on him so much. Back to back games. He, him and Eli Apple need to get in a room, get a room together and figure some shit out. UFC. <laughs> UFC. <laughs> oh my god! I'd pay pay per view for that. <laughs> and back to back drops. You know, last game we saw where it was like wide open in the end zone, and this game, you know, he just did not make Matthew Stafford's life easier, like you guys no, mentioned yeah. when OBJ was out. Um, so that guy he just just needs to go good thing he's in the offseason he can just practice all he wants yeah absolutely um so my stud for this uh this super bowl week is going to be aaron donald um like i mentioned i mean being triple team double team two sacks and then that final um fourth down stop fourth down stop not a tackle because burrow did throw it was due to aaron donald and uh, being able to you know just help your team be the leader of that uh, defensive line and allow your team to win you're you're gonna be the for sure. This week. Yeah. Did you guys see the uh, Aaron Donald Sean McVay play call? Uh, the last play. No. Did no. you guys hear the audio for this? I what did is not. it? What did he say? Okay. So Sean McVay, right before that last play, they were on the sideline, and he he walked up to Von Miller. He's like, "This is what we've been waiting for. This is it. This is the play." And then he said the same thing. Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald walked away. He actually hobbled. He like ran over to Aaron Donald, and he's like, "Make a play, make a play." And then. The play begins, right? The timer's going down. Yeah. Sean McVay's on his, he's like, he's got his arms. He's got the knees, knees thing. Yeah. I can see that. And he's talking and he's talking and he's like, Aaron Donald's going to make a play. Aaron Donald's going to make a play. Aaron Donald made a fucking play. <laughs> if that's not manifesting, I don't know what Dude, it is. Dude, the Rams manifested and, yeah. so hard. And if that's not like a coach that oh, you yeah. can tell, yeah. literally yeah. every te- every player's playing for him. They're all playing for each other. Like they're all getting behind that guy. Like if that's not a coach that's empowering his fucking players and team, the, yeah. like he is the epitome Dude. of what every leader in every aspect of yeah. life in general I mean, should look. They to. have a guy on the payroll just to prevent him from going yes! into the football. Have game. you seen that? Yeah. Where he just pulls him <laughs> off. The literally, when he gets on he the pays field. a guy. He's yeah. like, I get too excited, man. I might just yeah. be on the field. So I need you to fucking <laughs> yeah. grab me. How do guy. we get that job? I don't know, but I need one of those guys when I go out on Friday nights. <laughs> be like, time to go to the Uber. Time to go to the Uber. Uh, that's hilarious. Um, okay, so uh, I'll start with my dud, too. My dud is going to be Ramsey, just because I feel like this game could have – this was very much in the Rams' hand for the, for the most part. 
Um, and Ramsey was the uh, the opposite of the benefactor in multiple scenarios where he got he just fell. He was on the ground more than he was like running. Yeah, and you know, just, and that's not an excuse for a cornerback. Uh, no. You cannot be fucking on the ground. The best cornerback yeah, yeah. in the Super Bowl. Yeah, you're no, not falling. Man. No, can't you can't do that. that. And you know, you got you got scored on. You got just like all the big plays happened on you. Yep. I know the face mask was you too, but the fact that it happened on you and the scoreboard <laughs> says seven because of you. Yeah. You know, these are the things you don't do as the, one of the best players in the league. You know, unfortunately, they didn't call the uh, face mask, but you call yourself the best cornerback in the league and you did not play like even the second best cornerback on that field yep. this game. So for that reason, you're the dud. Congratulations on the Super Bowl. Um, the stud, my stud's going to be Odell Beckham. Just the whole story. You yeah. know, it's easy to say Cooper Cup's the stud, but yeah. Odell Beckham also deserves um, a lot of praise here. Um, you know, coming off of multiple injuries, coming off of playing for really crappy teams, a uh, lot to lot of doubters, a lot, a lot of doubters. And he came in here and had two catches. One of them was a touchdown. Uh, just, you know, big plays from a big guy that we've known to see throughout our lifetime that had moments of kind of like, you know, the Browns were kind of rubbing off on him, and he kind of was like faltering down that path. Yep. And then he was like, nope, I'm too good for this. I need to get out of here. Got so much hate for that. You know, they're like, oh, OBJ sucks, OBJ sucks. But in reality, he had never sucked. He just had that injury, came out, balled out, even balled out in the Super Bowl, had an injury, and team still had, you know, the team just put everything on their back, and they played for OBJ and got the dub. So it's just, you know, I, I said earlier how the Bengals are such a good unit. Well, the, the Rams are just as good of a unit. Oh, yeah, I did. However, they do lack a lot of things, but it's made up by these 99 overalls all over the field, yep, right? Yep. So, like, the Bengals are just a younger version of the Rams right now, and I think adding some pieces for them, uh, they're going to be just fine. Yeah, I had read something to piggyback on the OBJ thing, right? I had read something where the goal was going to be like, again, the Rams offense is predicated on finding the mismatch, right? And that's crazy to think about because Cooper Cup's putting up like 2,000 yards this year and everybody knows he's getting the ball and he still gets it, right? Mm -hmm. So it doesn't matter. But in the grand scheme of things, they're that's why they do like four guys on one side, one guy on the other side. They always have like Higby as the one guy, right? Because he's huge. So they're going to double team Higby, which means like Cooper or Cooper Cup and OBJ are both going to be one-on-one, -on -one, vice versa. So they're, they've been predicated on that. So I read something where like this game was designed for OBJ. Because they knew what Cooper Cup was going to do. Like, right. Even if he's double team, he's going to do what he does. But he's going to draw a double team. So their mismatch, because no Higby, their mismatch, the the the, the way they were going to create mismatches was going to be with OBJ. And you saw it, man. The two plays, the two catches that he had, wide open, absolutely burned his guy. So the sky was the limit for this guy. Uh like in terms of what this Super Bowl could have looked like. Again, contract year for him, right? You mentioned it. One thing that I think is so fucking important is like OBJ. Like the Browns organization and Baker Mayfield had us convinced that OBJ was washed, right? He was put in an environment where he was even starting to believe that he still didn't have the talent that he clearly still does, right? Like we saw very unusual drops from OBJ when he was playing for the Browns. And that's not fucking OBJ. The dude's hands of glue, right? right. And so like what a fucking environment and surrounding yourself with a bunch of fucking losers or people who don't believe in you or people, you know, who, who just have a different mentality or mindset can do to you. Yeah. And then you get pulled out of that and put into a position to thrive. Mm -hmm. Another, like a Matthew Stafford even, yeah. right? Like you see the night and day. And, and again, the storyline of him to prove that he's not washed, he still has everything and more, um, I think was just a fucking beautiful journey. And Again, it could not have been scripted better because you saw the emotion, bro. How much that dude gave a fuck about this Super Bowl was all in the millions of tears that just came rushing down his eyes mm -hmm. for a guy who didn't even get to play the whole second half, you know? So, 
Um, I don't know, man. Again, I, I'm a sucker for like storylines and things that just fucking work out like to perfection because it's something that will get talked about beyond our lifetime. Like it's something that's kind of etched in history forever yeah. for football fans. So um, again, just fucking super exciting. I could talk about it for days. Uh, I got some cool uh, questions to ask you guys though before we yeah. End Is this it. Gonna, can we consider this like a game? Yeah. Let's yeah, do it. I got Let's three questions, okay? Let's go. <laughs> um, first question. Yep. Who did Cooper Cup surpass for most receptions in a single postseason? Oh, Jerry Rice. No. No, sir. Oh, most receptions, receptions in a single postseason. Wes Walker. No. Julian Edelman. More recent. More recent than those guys? Yeah. What the fuck? Um, most receptions? Mm-hmm. God, this is going to be like, oh, my God, I'm an idiot. <laughs> don't give me any hints. I don't want any hints. All right. Uh, most, most receptions. receptions. There's a lot of catches. Just catches left and right. So in order to have the most receptions, you got to play the most games, Yeah, right? play the most games. You have to make Super Bowl. So you have to win Patriots, the Super Bowl. Maybe. What is it? Antonio Brown? Edelman? Mike, Mike Evans? Mm-hmm. You already said Edelman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Rob Gronkowski? Nope. Uh, fuck, dude. Is this super obvious? Yeah. yeah. Okay, okay, okay. So that answer changes it a little bit because I'm thinking like just... Okay, is there any kind of hint you can give us? Um, It's more recent than anything you guys have said so far. It's very recent. So somebody fucking this year? No. Antonio Brown? You guys have said that like three times. Uh, Last year would have been the Buccaneers. Like uh, the year before. Who did the Buccaneers lose to? Or who did the Buccaneers beat? Guys. Chiefs? Tyreek Hill? Travis Kelsey? Travis Kelsey. Uh, God. There we Travis go. Kelsey. Travis Kelsey. There we go. All right. Number two. Cooper Cup and Odell Beckham broke these two wide receivers' record. For the most receiving yards by a duo in single postseason in NFL history. Marvin Harrison, Reggie Wayne. No. Tory Holt, Isaac Bruce. Nope. What the fuck? Less uh, obvious. Less obvious? It's not like Randy Moss and Chris Carter. <laughs> that, that'd be more obvious. <laughs> <laughs> it's less obvious? It's probably like Julian Edelman and Rob Gronkowski. Less obvious. Wow. But you guys have both. I know you've heard both these names, and I know for sure you've heard at least one of these names. Okay, okay. How recent are we talking? Not recent. Over a decade, but within two decades. Okay, okay. Over a decade, within two decades. So postseason, right? So that'd be the whole playoffs, duo receivers. They broke the record for most catches and yards? No, just uh, most receiving yards. Okay, most receiving yards by a duo. Are they both receivers or is one a tight end? They're both receivers. Okay, okay. I just want to say Jerry Rice for all of these questions. No, that has to do I, made, I made sure not to have any Jerry Rice <laughs> questions. Um, hmm. Greg Jennings. No. Donald Driver. S- same era as Greg Jennings. Oh, fuck. Anquan Bolden. Larry Fitzgerald. No. God damn it. Good, good guesses. Same uh, era. Steve Smith Jr. Senior. And? And uh, Musa Muhammad. Yes. Let's go! Oh. <laughs> yeah, I was drawing blanks. Let's go. Nice. Shout right. out Jordan. I bet he would have been like, you're an idiot. You should have known that right away. <laughs> Yeah, okay, last one. Did I already ask two questions, three questions? Who cares? You got a million questions. Okay. Who did the Bengals join? There's four answers to this one. I already know it. Okay, who is it? Bills, Vikings. Oh, Super Bowl? uh, Panthers? Yeah. Yeah, that was one. And then, oh, shit. So for the listeners, uh, who did the Bengals (laughs) join as the only teams with multiple Super Bowl appearances and no wins? Is Texans? No. No, they haven't made a Super Bowl. So he said Bills, Vikings, and Panthers. Bengals? No. Oh, they join. (laughs) The Bengals join themselves. Oh, my God. Uh, We've mentioned the fans of this team probably more than any other team outside of the Panthers. Fans of this team? (laughs) Yeah. 
Vikings. Falcons. Yes. Wow. <laughs> Falcons. And that right. does it for our three question end to the season. That's fun. I love those games. Should do more of those games. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, shit, I almost don't want this episode to end. All right, then. I'll else? give you one more question. <laughs> yes, I love that. Um, so the Rams are the first number four seed to win the Super Bowl since this team. Packers. No. I'm just going to start guessing teams, so I, I don't <laughs> yeah. want it to be that obvious, but like I'm trying to think of specifics. The Giants. No. The Giants Since, right? So this, uh, this was the one before. Yeah. So it has to be a four seed. Mm-hmm. It can't be worse than a four seed. No. First four seed to win the Super Bowl. Since is this Super team. How long ago? In our lifetime? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Within a decade. Okay. Within a Seahawks. decade. No. Ooh, that's a good one. Steelers. Nope. Patriots. Nope. <laughs> just naming the last 10. Saints. Nope. You're closer with the Seahawks in one way. 49ers. Nope. What are the other Rams? Nope. Who's the other team? The Ravens. <laughs> yes. The ah. Ravens. The Ravens. The only reason they were close with the Seahawks because they're both birds. birds. Yeah. <laughs> I, see what, I see what you did. All right, nice. I'm done now. I can't do it anymore. Yeah. No, that's <laughs> that's good, man. That's exciting. Um. Yeah, again, just a broken record, but again, super, super fucking happy with the way the season ended, with how wild of a season it was. I was really, really sad. I would have been really sad if we got that like 13-3 Super Bowl that we got like a couple years ago. That was fucking awful. Yeah. Uh, that would have been bad, but again, congrats to the Rams. Sorry, Arpon and any other fucking Cincinnati fan. Trust. Positive like, vibes. Only. You know, we know what that's like, except we don't know what it's like to be in a Super Bowl. We know what it's like to continually lose and continue to just hope for the best. So uh, there's always next year, as they say, right? <laughs> there's always next year. I mean, in, until you get old and die, there's always next year. Mm-hmm. So we just, you know, hopefully want to see a Super Bowl before we're all dead. I mean, you've already seen it. So, you know, whatever. Yeah. You Twice. Don't, you don't need any more Super Bowls. <laughs> you don't need, need any more Super Bowls. Um, but again, Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Thank you guys for an incredible season. Again, this isn't the end of the only playbook. A lot of off-season stuff, hopefully, that we'll, you know, we'll be able to put out that keep it fun and fresh. But, um, you know. The best season in NFL history, and we just happened to dissect every play for a whole season and create a yeah. podcast off of it. There's like, a reason. What's the reason? That everything yeah. manifests. Happens. Everything happens for a reason, man. I mean, how did it ha- come to be that, like you said, this is the season we decided to do this. This is... Like, without a doubt, the craziest season I've ever witnessed in my life. Mm -hmm. In my life. So, um, again, thanks to NFL and football for being able to give us the content, right? It was easy to be able to just regurgitate this stuff. But, like, they had to give us the fucking material. And, I mean, it was just a sight to behold this year. So, uh, thank you guys for everybody that supported us this year. Um, Again, off-season football. Uh, we'll figure out what we're going to do with that all. You'll you'll see it on all of our social media. But we're the only playbook. I'm Sweetcar. Shashot. Shovit. It's been a fucking hell of a football season. Put a bow on that. We'll see you guys next time.